This is the Tech Talk for Accountants show with your host, Andrew Lassis, where every week we have a new guest to discuss the latest technology, apps, tips, and tricks to help you improve your accounting firm. This episode is brought to you by Tech for Accountants, an IT firm that specializes in cybersecurity for the small accounting firm. Many of our clients used to work at big firms that had all this crazy security and then went to work for themselves, and while they knew it was important to have great IT security, they just have too many other things to worry about and don't have enough time to actually learn this stuff. What we do is help bridge the gap so that even small accounting firms have great security at a fraction of the cost of doing it themselves, and it's all done for you. We offer listeners to the show a complimentary IT audit and consultation. Just go to tech4accountants.net slash podcast. And you can book a free IT audit. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast. And we are live once again with another episode of the Tech Talk for Accountants show. Your host, Andrew Lassis with Tech for Accountants, IT specializing in the accounting industry. And with us today, Matt Vady, the CEO of Guru. And I want him to give a little background on who he is, what Guru does, and you know how you can help accounting firms. And Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Andrew. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, so, I'll provide a little bit of context if you'd like. I mean, uh, our company, Guru, provides not only direct-to-market solutions for small businesses, for payroll, human resources, and PEO outsourcing, but also we work with a lot of accounting firms to help them. You know, uh, many accounting firms kind of accidentally find themselves in the payroll space somewhere along the line, handful of clients start asking for payroll. They start doing it because they want the bigger piece of the business on the accounting audit side, whatever it might be. And next thing you know, they've got, you know, 25, 50, a hundred payrolls and, and things start to snowball. And then they start to realize, Oh, Hey, this is actually a good line of business for us. Uh, but how do we get more thoughtful about it? How do we start offering additional solutions? And so what we do are provide tools to accountants to help them to grow that side of their business, everything from white label payroll, white label human resources software, and even marketing services that are purely targeted at growing apparel and HR bureau. So work with a ton of accounting firms, have a good, lot of great insight into how they've grown, how they scale, and how they make a profitable bureau from inside of an accounting firm. And I think that's sort of the journey for a lot of firms, especially smaller ones. You're starting out maybe public accounting and go private, work for yourself. And you know that all these things are available. You've seen it before where you used to be, or you're at least familiar, other people in your industry are doing it. And you have a client that maybe one-off asks, can you be helping me with payroll? And it's like, you know, let, let's, let's check it out. Let's go in that route. And I know for us on the IT side, I mean, there have been so many opportunities that literally started from someone being like, can you do this? And I mean, we've, we've narrowed it we've narrowed down the scope a lot for scalability, but especially in the beginning, people just say, can you do this? And then it was like, let's make a whole new division. I mean, my entrepreneurial brain, I'll go, I'll take like one little tiny thing. It's like, let's make this a gigantic thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but that's right. Yeah. So, so the accountant, they, they take on the payroll services, trying to do it on their own. And so then when do you guys come into the picture? Where does it fit? Is it a good thing to do right up front in the beginning? Or is it something that, all right, once you get X number of clients, now you should be looking into taking it to the next level. And that's when you're in the conversation. 
Yeah, usually we're working with firms that have established some level of comfort with with the process in and of itself, right? So so we've got everything from firms with a handful of clients all the way through to, you know, three, 500 clients on, on our platform. And we try to meet them at their point of need. And so, you know, the smaller bureaus are usually, once again, kind of like you described, now I've added this additional business line. I'm not sure where to go next with it. I just need the basics. I need the white label payroll system. I don't want to use QuickBooks anymore. QuickBooks recently actually shuttered their um, IOP for accountants platform, which means that they're trying to push everybody onto their actual QuickBooks payroll. Most accountants don't like that. Their clients don't like that. And so we've seen a big influx of folks coming on to just our white label payroll aside from that. But then we've got the next stage where it's like, hey, I'm using whatever platform I have for payroll, accountants world, any of these other ones. But I, my clients are starting to ask for these other things. Now they want, you know, paperless HR. They want paperless employee onboarding. They want timekeeping. They want, you know, just that next step into, you know, where Gusto and ADP and Paychecks, when they're coming in the door, are, are pitching these things. I'm going to lose some of my deals now, which uh, I don't want, obviously, because I don't want to lose the bigger slice of the business over time. And those folks, we, we tend to have a little bit more strategic conversation around, hey, where do you see this being for a line of business for your firm down the road? Or do you want to get out of it altogether? I mean, heck, we had one of these a couple of months ago where, you know, we were talking about adding HR software and then he reached back out, uh, you know, two months later and he's like, look, we just want to get out of payroll. Will you guys just take over our entire book of payroll and, you know, you bill us, you serve our clients and we'll bill the clients and you guys can act as an extension of our team. So really we're trying to be flexible with the firms and just make sure that it's the right solution for them, the right solution for their clients. And we're not getting them into, you know, the, the number one piece of feedback we get, and, and I don't want to trash ADP and paychecks here, but it's just, hey, we're tired of referring deals to ADP and paychecks. Clients that came to us because they want dedicated support, they want great support, they want the local provider. Now they're getting put into the machine and they're not enjoying that experience. And it's a, it's a negative reflection on our firm. And so we're trying to rectify that situation. And that's somehow the slippery slope on how some of these firms get into it, only to realize like, oh, hey, we didn't really want to get into payroll. And now here we are with, you know, once again, 25, 50, 100 clients. And we got to figure out what we're going to do with this long term. And I think on the business owner side, when you're coming to your accountant and asking about, can you be offering us payroll services? Or if you're having the conversation with your client about, you should be looking at payroll through this lens versus the one that you're doing it through. And I know a lot of small business owners in general, they're like, all right, you know, I'm just going to under the table, write checks, 1099 them if, if I even kind of feel like doing some compliance. And then you, know, you introduce them to, this is what a W-2 employee is. This is what you are responsible for, you know, and going through that route. But on the business owner side, so we've been in business now eight years-ish, give or take. And I mean, I've, I've gone through, I'm, you know, as you were talking about the, the different uh, payroll vendors that, um, you know, are out there. And, and again, this isn't to trash them, just my experience, but, or actually we'll just keep the names out of it, but we're on right now, our fifth or sixth payroll provider currently. And on the business owner side of things, it's, we've had a gigantic headache dealing with all of the other ones. And we still get headaches on the one we're currently on 
but we've frankly just come to the conclusion it's all terrible. So why bother <laughs> even changing anymore? Because, you know, after at the first one, it was like this small little SaaS company, like think of it like a baby gusto kind of deal. And, and it was like, okay, you know, we outgrew this. We're just, this is not suitable for us. And we were up to like 30, 40 employees. And then, all right, my bank offers payroll services. And it's like, but you don't have clock in and 80% of our employees are hourly. So that's a problem. And then switch to a bigger one. And then it's so insanely complicated that we can't even scratch the service. Like, well, this, this is designed for firms with 50 to 10,000 employees. And it's like, great. We were right at 50 and this is not, it can send a rocket to the moon, but like, we're just trying to drive to the grocery store. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, I mean, and then in comes the uh, provider we're currently at. And are we happy? Not, not necessarily, but it's just come to the point now that we just, <laughs> we just eat it and just, just allow it to be a part that we just, hate and begrudging hates the strong word not our preference right so that's an opportunity though for for the accountant to step in you know I and mean, if mine is listening and he's off i don't know if he if he even offers payroll services but you know that's a pain point for business owners is that it's it's not a good experience that we're currently having it's not like Good luck getting me to switch. I am really happy with who I'm currently using. So is that an opportunity that you see for accounting firms? Well, you're striking a chord that is is just something that, you know, I've been working with accountants in this space for almost 20 years now. And over and over again, even just talking about their firm, when I say, who's your ideal client? Oh, well, we do everybody right? We do construction, we do retail, we do restaurant, we do, it's just like, no, nah, like, who do you, like, I'm trying to refer you business, like, who do you specialize, like, eh, well, you know, we'll do whatever. And it's like, man, that is the, if you have no target, you will hit it every single time. So to your point, like, there are platforms out there. And this, this is the issue with some of the big brand players is that look, I got to serve a, a single employee group that gets paid once a quarter, or, you know, a single owner, and I got to serve a 10,000 employee company. And so I've got, you know, all the bells and whistles, my system can split an atom, it can, it can fly to the moon, whatever your uh, terminology you want. But so if you're going to offer payroll, if you're going to offer HR services, you got to pick your lane, you got to niche down, even if that niche is like, yeah, we service professional service companies with between 11 and 49 employees. Like that's still a pretty broad niche, right? But at least it's, you know, that, hey, look, if a, you know, five employee retail comes through the door, like that's not your thing, right? Like find, you know, maybe you've got your partners you refer to for that or it's vice versa. You know, we've got some clients where it's like, hey, we only serve one to 10 employees in our state. And that's the other thing you got to keep in mind now. So if you're in this space, it is kind of a, you know, Hooper get off the pop moment because the new reality is that, you know, my client went from, if you were 17 employees, you traditionally used to be in one state, maybe two, you had one person move away and you kept them on because they were that good. 
But now the new 17 employee companies in eight, nine states, right? And so now the payroll for this small group, quote unquote, has gotten that much more complicated and you're taking on that much more risk or you're relying on a third party that once again is, you know, just going to put you into the meat factory and try to help out your clients. And, and ultimately when something goes wrong, it's going to fall back on you. So you got you got some decisions to make, I think. Uh, and it's, it's an interesting time to be in this market. It's kind of go all in and double down. Or look, maybe we ought to just get out of this or, or just pick our lane and only take things that fit these parameters. But, but I think just kind of, you know, the old way of saying, hey, eh, we'll do payroll only if it's going to win us the deal because we just really want the business. Like that, that's not a good strategy for the future. And that's one of the topics that I absolutely love is the niching and staying in your lane and why. I mean, we had originally started under Rush Tech Support and did, I mean, it still exists because I mean, it's a million plus dollar a year organization despite itself. So, I mean, not, you know, not just going to throw it away because it's not accountants, but the last two years in the shift of primarily for accountants and, you know, we, we fell into that. We were the, we are everything to everyone. And then when it was the, we are going to create an organization called tech for accountants. And this is us saying, we are not, we are fully capable of serving whomever retail medical doesn't matter. You know, 95% of it's all the same, but that 5% of specialty, it really makes it a lot easier to win business too. As you know, if, if we have a, an accounting firm and it's us versus tech solutions, X, Y, Z, and IT experts for you, you know, whatever, like, and then tech for accountants. And it's like, just off the name, like, you know, that we probably know a couple things that the others don't know. We're probably asking questions that they have never asked before. You know, we'll be talking to someone and they'll be like, well, I'm, you see, it's, it's a tax accountant and it's a specific, you know, I'm not a CPA. I'm like an enrolled agent. They're like, you know what that is? It's like, that's <laughs> 90% of our clients, but, you know, honing in and finding who is your ideal target. I mean, that's take payroll out of the equation, just in general, it's very, 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 we had 25,000 of everything to every one. And then versus a thousand plus accountants and, and like the accountant side, it's so much better. It's faster. It's more efficient, better quality score, better retention, better, just everything niching down. So anyway, coming back around. So describing your perfect client. So Matt, what's that look like for you guys? Yeah, no, let me just double down on that for a moment because it's something I'm really passionate about. And a huge mistake we made early on in starting our business was, hey, look, we were we started as a brand called the ERG Payroll and HR. It was basically anybody and everybody that we could serve, we'd take it. You know, we had a 200 employee retail outfit in 30 states and we had, you know, a five employee dental practice in our home city and, you know, kind of everything in between. And that was a recipe for disaster. I mean, that was, that was actually some of our slowest growth years were when we were trying to be all things to all people. Right. And so you nailed it right there. When, when you talk about how well can I know my end user 
And you can't know 50 different industries of all different sizes, shapes, and forms, and you will never, ever run out of accountants to sell to. Like that, it, there, there will forever be more accountants in the United States for you to sell to. And then if you somehow penetrate the market to the point that you've defeated the United States, then you could start to go international, right? So um, I, I think that's, there's this scarcity mindset when I start thinking about niching down that I'm going to like, ooh, what do I do when I run out of dental practices to call on? Like, well, guess what? There's, you know, 4 billion dental practices, you'll be fine. Uh, so, so, so for <laughs> us, yeah, we, we do stay in that same philosophy of like, Look, 11 to 49 employees, professional services. These are technology companies. These are, you know, insurance agencies. These are, uh, you know, software development companies. And, you know, they're in typically in the same geography. We can't help a lot of our inbound stuff. We're, we're very fortunate that we've got a strong marketing engine and, and very little sales support because we, uh, we push out a lot of content. And so the, we, we get folks from all over the country, but you know, I'll tell you this, whenever we've gone back to that niching down thing, we get more calls every week from the clients that we have that we shouldn't have taken than from the clients that we have that are our prime industries that we want. Like there's a reason we want professional services. There's a reason we want white collar. Like they're more tech savvy. They treat our team better. They're, you know, they, they don't get frustrated if anything, you know, things go wrong all the time and, and there's nothing, you know, how we all handle that is the difference between our company and the national players. And so, you know, if somebody's going to get frustrated every time something goes wrong and start fussing and cussing at our team, then, then they're not a great fit. And you can tell the ones that snuck through the door. I see the phones ring around here and I see the their names come up over and over again. I'm like, how many times does that client need to call this week for payroll, dude? Like this should be like a once a quarter conversation, not a weekly conversation. And so, so that's the other thing too, is knowing like what comes with the industries you serve. And so, yeah, for us, uh, you know, we, we lead with a lot of HR support in our direct to market offering. So, so that means that the PEO being the more comprehensive end of that, which is a professional employer organization, what we do is we group small businesses together into one pool to create economies of scale to buy healthcare at a large, uh, large scale. And basically we can offer them, their rates are lower through us. They don't have to have age banded plans. They can have national plans for those folks if they got 17 employees in 10 states and they can offer a much better benefit package right out of the box instead of having to go out and procure it from five different vendors. So that's kind of our bell cow offering, but then we, you know, do everything from, from sort of simple payroll on through, but yeah, that, that's, that's our ideal market on the, the direct to market side. And then, like I said, we work with a lot of payroll bureaus and accountants as well. The concept that, and I think this is one of those things we'll, we could like deep dive and talk forever on the, the idea of having that perfect client, knowing them backwards and forwards, knowing how to serve them, knowing what to expect and the relationship going into it. And, you know, I mean, even, even myself, so started the company eight years ago and tech people are very tech forward, like the latest and greatest are willing to learn new things all the time and don't get frustrated as easily when something doesn't work because intuitively, you know, we grew up with these things and are able to find solutions. You know, my three-year-old and my, my one-year-old like knows how to use the iPad. And like some of our like 70 year old customers are like, where's the on button? Yeah, and right. <laughs> you know, but, but I, when I first started, a lot of our clients were, were elderly and it was more of like a, your computer's broken, I'll fix it. And now it's more of a proactive and compliance 
package, but I'd be like, okay, look, here's what you can do. Don't waste money on having office. You could get open office and it's practically the same thing. And let me show you all these bells and whistles. And then they're calling all the time saying, I don't understand this. I don't like this. You change that, blah, 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 blah. Now I'm all mad and getting to learn the clients over time. And, you know, it's shifted into the accounting space over the last couple of years, but understanding that just because you want something or you want somebody to want something doesn't mean that that is what your clients actually want. So that golden rule of treat people how you want to be treated, you have to upgrade it to the platinum rule, treat people how they want to be treated, because it may not be the same that you are. So for you know, myself versus typical accounts, like I'm very, very, and this, this is a blanket statement, you know, this doesn't apply to all, but a lot of the, I've been doing it this way for 15, 20 years. I don't like change. I like knowing what comes next. I know what boxes to check. I'm very, very proficient. I know how to do what I know how to do very, very well. And then there's the other people that are like, what's the newest thing by now? I want to find out the newest thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're speaking my language too. So understanding your people though, what they want. I think that's a really, really big uh, value proposition. Well, and let's double click on that as it relates to accounting firms, because I, I debate this with my current accountant all the time is there's many firms right now are run by boomers, right? They've had the firms for years, partners, you know, the partner's concept and how it works is basically I age into becoming a partner after my experience there. And so a lot of bureau led firms, however, a lot of small businesses owned by Gen X and millennial nowadays, right? And so we've got a new customer with an old school bunch of habits on the firm side. And so what you're seeing is the demand for like, for me, I would rather pay you, you know, some sort of monthly fee that includes a checklist of things to say, Hey, for, you know, 500 a month to get check, 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 check for a thousand a month to get check, 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 check. And, you know, so on and so forth. However, I get these invoices for, you know, 2000 here, a thousand there, 1500 there. And I'm like, this model is, I, I don't understand it. It doesn't resonate with me. I don't like the pay for hours model. And, you know, and also it's incredibly laborious. You're, you're telling me you're using technology, but all you're doing is scanning PDFs and putting them into a portal. That's not using technology. That's not automation, right? Like that, that's just the same thing repurposed online. And so if you're really going to use technology and be tech forward, you've got to invest the time and energy and understanding to your point, what is the platinum rule? What do my clients clients actually want versus what I've been delivering. I've been talking a ton this week about uh, client experience coming back from Disney. You and I were just talking about it before the show. Disney has the ultimate customer experience, right? Like it is the most immersive experience you could have as an individual. And it is a premium experience that you pay for and you are satisfied with because the attention to detail is there and it, it works for all those reasons. However, you know, in our world, you know, tech enabled support or whatever the, or, you know, um, technology enabled service companies, oftentimes we just pride ourselves on that service, right? Like, oh, we respond faster. We're nicer. We do that. Like that's not enough nowadays. Right. Plus there's no way to scale your firm or your bureau when you're just, you know, having technology that's just a front end for all the labor that's happening on the back end, right? We need real automation, things that are actually gonna solve problems for our internal team 
and for our clients. And I think that's a great point too. And it kind of comes back around to the niching and understanding who your client is and how to serve them. But one of, and I, I forget where I had heard this originally, or maybe it was in a book of some sort, but if your unique value proposition is we really care about our customers and customer satisfaction is so important to us, like that shouldn't be your unique differentiator. That should be a given. And if it's a South Florida contractor, though, if your value proposition is I actually show up, like you, <laughs> that that would be the ultimate way to to just clean up and be number one in South Florida. Is <laughs> your value proposition is I will actually show up. Just period. We had to get a septic tank read on. I had four estimates come out. I only received one estimate. I had four people come out. I had scheduled like 10 to come out. Four actually did come out and I only received one proposal and it took three months before they started the job. And I don't know if you've ever experienced a bad septic tank. It's not something you want to wait three months no, on, but so yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's go. Let's, let's talk about that for just a second again, though. So you talked about your experience with payroll and HR companies and that this speaks directly to the opportunity for the audience here, because as much as I don't like to hang my hat on the support thing, the bottom line is right now in this industry, if your tech, if, if all things are evil, equal on the tech front and you can meet their needs on the technology side, then yes, that is a big differentiator because the bottom line is some of these providers are just overwhelmed. They can't get the staff. The complexities of the tax filing have burdened their team to the point where, you know, I had a, a client come to us recently off Augusto and he, you know, he said, look, man, when I submit a support ticket, I basically get a message back. That's like, maybe we'll get back to you. And so like, you know, I'm just sitting here, this is payroll, dude. I can't wait till next week for an answer on payroll. I got to process it today. And so, so the support can be a huge differentiator, but yeah, to your point, like you still have to have the tools, you still have to have the things in place to make sure that, that it's a, a, a valuable experience for the client. And, and I want to uh, talk one more thing on that niching side. It's funny because we, we ran two podcasts for a while. So we've talked about both sides of the business. We've talked about our kind of partner side, working with CPAs and accountants and our direct to market, normal payroll bureau side. And we tried doing an HR podcast for small businesses, you know, HR simplified and come on in Mr. Small Business Owner and hear about all the things that our clients typically ask us about. We'll answer your questions. And then we did one for payroll bureaus called Payrolling. Uh, if you Google payroll and podcast, you can find that it's uh, it's specifically for people that are trying to grow payroll companies. We had about 10x the number of listens on the payroll side because the audience is so niche and so defined, right? Like there is only 16,000 people trying to run a payroll company in America. And that is a small but well-defined audience. Whereas when I start talking about general HR topics to any small business owner, going back to your tech for accounts thing, like if you were just tech for small businesses, like this would just be washed away into the void of nothingness that is podcast land, right? So <laughs> right. tech for accountants is very different. And that's why payroll has worked so well for us. And it's like a labor of love where it's like, you just get to talk to other people in the space and idea exchange and learn how they grew their thing and what their challenges are and how we can all help each other to, to rise together. And so on the topic though of technology, what are some of the, the technologies maybe in the last year or two that have gotten you excited that you guys are starting to implement? Maybe they weren't there in the, in the first stages, but something that you noticed and like a technology differentiator that you guys uh, have or that you really get uh, excited about? 
Well, it's interesting because the, 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 the most utilized and the thing that gets our clients most excited is probably not like a, you know, earth shattering piece of automation, but it's just all around new employee onboarding and completely automating that process and distributing tasks automatically to all the people that are involved. So, you know, the first thing we talk about when we say new hire onboarding is like, all right, did they get the W4 or the I9, their direct deposit? Yeah, that's, that's part of it. But what about, you know, who's walking them through the mission, vision, values training? Who's actually going to meet with them at the end of the week and, and review how their week went? Who's going to, you know, who's doing their 30, 60, 90 day reviews? And what are all the things that create that experience for the new hire? And how do we make that, you know, a two minute click every time we go to add a new hire instead of all these checklists and things being kept all over the place. So we've built out a really uh, expansive module inside of our platform that allows for that whole thing to be kind of set it up once and forget about it, right? Like I onboarded somebody internally last week and it was, it's always such a joy when I do it myself because I literally, it's like, oh, I just need your name, email, your rate, your start date, and um, you're off and running and everything is sent to all the people that need to handle all the things for your first 30 days and, and we can just move on and, and it's set up and ready to go when she shows up here next week. So that that's a piece that that external facing inside of our platform has got me really excited. Internal automation, I think is just as important. And so for us, like we're always looking for ways of how do we be more operationally efficient? And I think tools like Zapier, Zoho Flow, and the web hooks and just knowing that there are, you know, developers both nearshore and offshore that can solve many of your most critical business needs in a few hours, just opening your mind to the fact that automation can occur for just about everything you're doing inside of your firm. And if you take the time to have someone review your processes and look for ways to get out of that spreadsheet, get out of duplicate entry, get out of those things, like there are just a million ways to automate that now that I, I think are you know, we underutilize and I think we're, we're in this and we're pretty tech heavy. So I, I think most firms are way behind in those, those places. Yeah. One of the great stories I have of a situation that it was not my preference, but it turned into a huge blessing in disguise. We always were paying a developer for setting up automations between our different SaaS products. And we'd had Zapier for, for years and use it. I, probably at an intermediate level. And so I was talking with the developer about some of the new automations that we wanted to add. We're adding products X, Y, and Z. We need this to be automated. We've been doing this manually. We need that automated. And he had just offhandedly, he was like, all right, yeah, that's something I could probably just set up in Zapier. Yeah. Da, da, da. And, and when he said that, I was like, oh, could you set that up in Zapier? And then he disappeared. So took my money, disappeared. I've been working with him for like six years. Golly. Disappeared, stopped answering my calls, stopped returning my emails. And I was like, he said you could do this in Zapier. And once I discovered that you could shoot things to a, uh, to a Google Sheets and do an internal uh, lookup through Google Sheets and use it as a database, my brain exploded into a billion pieces. And then I just started automating so many pieces using that same piece. So while it wasn't my favorite that I paid him and he ran off, that money has been super, super, you know, there was a great learning lesson because he had uh, opened my eyes to what Zapier can do and not just like 
if you get a new client zap email to MailChimp, it's like, cool, that's nice. But like it can get really, really, really cheap. That's it's probably of all the products that, that I, that I use, that's probably up there with, I had joked uh, with my assistant. I was like, like, you know, if they 10 X my price, I'd probably still pay it. And then we reached our zap limit because I had been adding all these new things. And then they 10 X your price. Yeah. Yeah. My, my price, it, it, I think it did like quadruple because it put us in the next range, but that's just like, I don't want to be paying four times as much, but to be fair, you know, if you, if you save five minutes per day in automation, that comes out to about three business days in just five minutes a day. So every 12 days is an hour and, you know, throughout the course of, of a year, saving five minutes, three days over 10 years, just that five minute task, you know, it's a month. You've given up a month over five minutes for something that can be automated. So I, I personally, I love the automation process. I absolutely love Zapier, like have a background in programming, but Zapier is just easier. So this episode is brought to you by Zapier. <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. I, that's what I say. So, so, and I think that's an important thing though, because there are a lot of folks out there. Once again, if you're listening to this and you're not, you know, you're going like, okay, Zapier. Every time I ask somebody about a Zap, like all they're doing to your point is they've got something going into MailChimp. And then I look on MailChimp and they've got an integration with that platform anyway. So why is there a Zap? What is even the point? Like, and that's where I was for years with Zapier until to your point, I started realizing some of the more complex use cases of like, all right, how do webhooks like, oh, okay. So I can use webhooks with a platform that's not even in Zapier. Oh, wow. Like this just changed everything. And so like now this system that, you know, we've, it's got a clunky API that we were having trouble getting to, but now we've got a developer who can build a webhook into that API, pull the data, put it where we need it in a Google sheet. And then we're running a, you know, a formula inside of there. And now, Oh yeah. All that new client onboarding stuff that has to go to five different systems, regardless of if those systems are already in Zapier, I can, I can fire that data over and save a whole bunch of manual keying on our team and just have more accurate data all the time at our fingertips. And having, having that central intake point and then having all the right information go to the right spot. It is something that you take for granted especially if you're, you know, working at a bigger spot and everything's integrated or you're using, you know, one of the big players, like a Salesforce kind of thing that integrates with everyone and everything, or if QBO is, is your centralized spot and it's got all these different integrations. So like you were saying, well, it's just, it's built in integration. And to be fair, we use some products that we've had to manually make better on their own integrations. And it's just like, how does your phone system, your own phone system not integrate with your own CRM? Why did I have to create <laughs> something that logs calls on your own system? Yeah, so <laughs> hey, you know, that's, but it, it is what it is. And, you know, grateful that I'm able to uh, put those pieces together. And Matt, I wanna be conscious of your time. I feel like we could just talk forever. But uh, where can people learn more about you and Guru? Yeah, so so you can find me uh, on LinkedIn, Matt Beatty. Uh, I'm I'm probably one of two on LinkedIn, so not a hard guy to find at the Google in general, V A A D I. Uh, but 
let's just, I'd like to leave on that because that's something that while we don't do, I never stand up on a stage and say, man, we do all these things better than everybody else. And we're so amazing and all that. I don't want to talk about internal things like that, but I will say that one of the areas where we have had multiple clients sort of come back to me months after they onboarded with us and say, Hey, can we talk to you about your new client onboarding process? Like that's something where you guys just had down to a science versus other providers we've worked with. And we're trying to improve that internally. And so can, can we pick your brain on how you guys structured that? And, and I think it's important in the context of there are so many things that we continue to some we've automated over time. Some, we still have a ton of greenfield to, to automate, but whether that's the simple things that we talked about, like where does an agreement go? How does an agreement get signed? Where does it go? Where does it land? What fields does it populate in other systems? How does it save our team and the client time? But also down to what do those touch points look like on a recurring basis, whether that's an automated email drip, whether that's, you know, just the timing of how things work out. And, and I think that's another area where, you know, my experience with multiple accounting firms over the years has been incredibly lackluster when it comes to onboarding. It's just a very hands-on, uh, but hands-on in like the worst way in the respect that like, yeah, we're going to do these couple of meetings where we're going to ask you a bunch of redundant questions that we've already collected a bunch of this data. And, you know, it's, and we're really not going to give you the roadmap you know, the mall map, as I like to call it, like when you go to a mall and you walk up to the map, it's got the big red dots as you are here. And so th there's a lot of ways for us to improve and kind of give people that context of where they are in the onboarding process. And it's just like employee onboarding. It's critical to the lifetime success of the relationship, right? Those first 90 days are everything. Like it's so hard to correct if you screw up the first 90 days, you're working from behind. And so I'd say, if you're gonna apply technology to your practices, start at the beginning and then start to work back from there. That's a great insight. And I think there's, there's so much that people could take away from just the idea that if you automate, automate the pieces that need to be automated, you know, the background stuff that doesn't matter, but you can't automate a relationship. You can't automate knowing things about people and genuinely, you know, having having conversations with these people because at the end of the day, I mean, business is business, but most of the time we're doing business with people and the people behind it, that is going to be everything. And if those people are stuck doing pieces that aren't automated or pieces that frankly can be done for them through some degree of automation or using another product or whatever the case is, you know, free up your time to actually do people activities because people like to do business with people or at least like-minded people. And sometimes, you know, people may rub you the wrong way, but <laughs> that's, <laughs> well, life, and that's right? the thing to get out of your mind too, right? Is like the more, ta like if you really have good people and if you don't, like, let's go back to square one, right? Like you need to do some HR evaluation. Let's leave tech aside and put on my other hat of, you know, human resources professional. But like, you want those really talented people doing better things than like pushing paperwork around and uploading PDFs to different places and like doing redundant data entry. Like give them the tools that they need to be successful and automate the things that are not adding value to the client relationship so they can do that. So they can build a real relationship with your client. Yeah, that's a, a great place to leave off. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. And guys, if you enjoyed the episode, please be sure to share 
And, you know, until next time, have a great day. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening to the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I hope you enjoyed today's guest. And remember, you can go to techforaccountants.net slash podcast to book a complimentary IT audit conducted by a technician certified by the AICPA in cybersecurity. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast.